there if you want to, which is Luke 8. We're going to start there, and I'll take you through a couple of different scriptures. But we talk all the time in Ignition about relationship. It's always relationship. And that is, you know, Isaiah tells us we were created for God's glory. He created us for his glory and then to be in relationship with us. But in order to have a true relationship, we were given free will. In order to have true love, for love to, to be a reality in a relationship, it can't be robotic. It has to be a reciprocal love from the choice of our free will. And so God limited himself, as you know, to have a true love relationship with us. And it's so amazing when I think about what God wants in fellowship with me and what he wants to reveal to me about himself, which is what a relationship is. You know, I was thinking, even as it pertains to um, just a few weeks ago, the 30 years that Greg and I celebrated in our anniversary, and, you know, I think about all the things that we've learned about each other. We have not been in a perpetual verbal conversation for the last 30 years, 31, because I met him a year before I married him, but there's been communication in all kinds of different ways as we've learned about each other. As we have been in this covenant with one another and in this relationship, we've learned about one another through all the different extraordinary ways that you can communicate. You know, it's interesting, even this morning, um, I'm, I'm rushing to try to get out the door and um, I, the last, one of the last things I do after I brush my teeth was the mouthwash. And I'm, I wanted to let it sit there for a minute, and but yet I'm also trying to, to rush him on. And so with the mouthwash in my mouth, I thought, okay, I need to communicate to her to say, hurry up, are you dressed? And so I thought, okay, what's the, what's the way that she'll figure out that her mom is telling her something? So I just started to <laughs> clap while my mouth is full of this mouthwash. And she knew, and so did the dog, <laughs> so did little Charlie, that, that mom is trying to get her attention. I don't communicate with her with claps, but she knew I was communicating with her. And I'll tell you what, God, he communicates in so many ways. We're going to be talking a little bit more um, that in the ladies' class that we've been talking about, um, about the voice of God. And today, this idea of relationship, if you do not understand or if you do not believe that you continually hear the voice of God, then I hope that you will open your heart to what God wants to tell you about that reality because God is always communicating with you. He is always communicating with you. One of the greatest uh, barriers and even deceptions in the church and in the bride is that, is that, well, God doesn't always speak to me or, well, I need to come to church so that God can speak to me. Um, and that's, that's great. He wants to speak to you at church. He wants to speak to you through messages, through music. But that's only a small part. Every single day when you become a believer, do you know that, that if you've accept, accepted Jesus into your heart, you've already responded to the voice of God? Whether it was the voice of God in the form of a message, a voice of God in the form of a book you read, maybe a friend, however you were brought to the Lord, you responded to the voice of God compelling you and drawing you to himself, which is what he says in the book of John, that he, he, his spirit draws you. So you've already, that is one thing every believer has in common 
we've already heard the voice of God once in order to accept him. With that, he gives us literally his spirit giving us this new life has literally implanted within us the DNA of his spirit that gives us full capacity to hear him in complete, amazing, beautiful fellowship and relationship. It is there. Now, whether you've awakened to that, whether you've accessed it or not, is something that I pray that the word of God shows this morning. But there is a seed of God's spirit. You know, the word of God is what's planted within us. But some of us may be choking this morning. And that's kind of where we're going. So let's look at look at Luke 8 together. Um, Luke 8, This you'll hear this uh, parable taught. You may have heard it many, many times. Um, and there's many books on it. There's been many messages. I've heard multiple preachers preach on this particular parable. It's when Jesus was talking about the, the farmer, the, the sower, the seed, and the soil. And um, we're going to look at that. So I want you to start, and I'm going to be between two different translations. The, the overhead does not give us the original King James, uh, so it may be the new King James. But between that and new living, I'll just let you figure that out. Um, but that's kind of where I'm going to be. But I do want you to turn in the word that you have. And I know Greg often uses the ESV, which is fantastic as well. But, um, but I'm going to be back and forth between those translations. So we're going to look at the parable of the sower and the seed. Let's start at verse 5. And it says, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said, Jesus had said these things, he said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Or in the New Living, it says, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Now let's skip down. To when Jesus is explaining what this parable is about. Let's look in verse 11. Jesus is saying, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the Satan or the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They that are on the rock are they, excuse me, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy and these have no root for which for a while believe but in the time of temptation fall away and verse 14 is interesting in the king james it says and they which fell among and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard they go forth they heard it they received the word they're going forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now, the interesting thing is ignition, I really believe, is the hearers or the, the soil, the condition of our heart. We, we were receiving... We're not, we're not the hard heart. We're not the heart that, that's falling on hard ground. See, the, the soil itself is the condition of your heart. And 
when Jesus plants his word, when he speaks to us, how we receive and how we um, respond to his word really depends on the soil of our heart. The thing that's really interesting that Jesus said here, um, look all the way down in verse 18 of that same chapter. Jesus is saying, take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him it shall be given. And whosoever hath not, to him shall be taken, even that which seemeth to have. Which That's all King James. Let me do that in the New Living. Be sure to pay attention to what you hear. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. It's really an amazing thing. We have come to a place, and I really believe this is true in Ignition and even in the remnant. We want God. That The decision to want God is, is already there. God wants to speak to us. We, we want to hear from him. And this whole um, kind of parable is God saying, you know, I know you, you've heard my word, and, and I've planted the seed within the soil of your heart. But what happened is you weren't aware that there were some other seeds in there with my seed. And you didn't notice it at the time. And so what happened is when it began to produce fruit, it couldn't produce the fruit to perfection because the other fruit that was there was thorns. The thorns grew among the fruit that he planted. Let's just say it's corn. It grows up. And if there is another seed planted in the soil of your heart with the pure seed that the soil is planting or that the, that the sower is planting, you're going to notice right even within the soil before it manifests in something that the eye can see, it's going to begin to compete for nutrients, for water, for what it's needed in the soil. And the challenge this morning that I really believe was spoken even from Tuesday from the word that God gave um, which is that I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. You know, there's a line. We've talked about this line drawn in the sand and, and the fact that we need to be ready for what God's about to do. And many of us are ready, but we don't know that we're choking. And what's happened is we're, we're struggling in some cases hearing the word of God or discerning the word of God. And so we're, we're coming to to gather, whether it be in a prayer group or in church, and we're like, I want a word from God. I just want a word from God. And there are many groups and, and churches that, that to get that fresh word. People go to church every Sunday to get a fresh word. And the interesting thing is, is that God is always giving a fresh word. But when we consider, it's not so much, I think the, the big problem isn't so much that we can't hear the voice of God. It's that we're willing to listen to other voices. At the same time, we're, we're hearing God's voice, but we're considering other voices. And that's where we get into trouble. And so I want to, the other title you could, we could have even had is, what are you considering? You know, when I look at, um, at uh, Peter in, in uh, Jesus' disciple, Peter, in the, uh, the story where we all know that he's, he walks on the water with Jesus and you know, he, he gets a bad rap for that. It's like, yeah, he comes out and then he falls and he's, you know, and, and the, he's like, un, you know, has that moment of unbelief. 
But I think about that story of when Jesus is walking on the water toward the boat, there's a storm. And remember, the disciples did not know. They thought it was a ghost when they first saw Jesus walking. And they pretty much reasoned among themselves, hey, this must be a ghost, like this is a ghost. Well, not knowing who he was, they spoke to the to the ghost, you know, the person that they didn't know who it was. And they said, if it's you, Lord, you know, bid us to come. And of course, Jesus didn't say, it's me. Let me give you seven points of scripture and prove a miracle to you. He just said, you know, come out, step out, step out. And the, the amazing thing about Peter that I think is, is so uh, due to his credit is that without Jesus even officially saying, I am Jesus, it's okay. He just said, come. It resonated. That voice of God. Res- Peter had such a relationship with him. It resonated within his spirit that he knew without getting the official verifications, he knew that was God. He knew that was actually Jesus. And so he steps. He proves that he knows it. He doesn't just go, okay, I believe you. Uh, why don't you keep on walking to the boat? There was a, it, was a, it was an amazing belief with action right away. And he steps out. But the thing that choked, if I could use that crossover, the thing that choked him right then is that he's making a beeline to Jesus, but he suddenly begins to consider his human reality around him. And all of a sudden, the distraction of the reality, there was a storm, it's water, I'm human, I have feet, not a fin, you know, like... This is not, this is supernatural, and I'm natural, and uh, 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 boom, he begins to sink. And God, with where he's taken ignition, is saying, come, consider me only. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. He's recently spoken to us and said, it may not look like we're winning in some of these battles, but if you stay fixed on me, we're winning. But you must stay fixed on me or you'll begin to sink. Now that can be applied to our church as a whole. It can be applied to our lives individually. And um, so I want to kind of show you a couple of these things. You know, all of the things that come against us, um, there is a big, big, big fight out there of competing voices and uh, really ultimately voices, but distractions for our affections and our attentions. I mean, when you, just living in this world, living in the noise of this world, especially since the miraculous um, electronics, uh, uh, computer age of, of, of this, just, you know, the iPads, the iPhones, all these things that are accessible at your fingertips, there's a greater competition for our focus than there ever has been. Even though it's beautiful to have all of these wonderful things and the Google search engine and all these things that are available, you can look up verses faster than ever. That game that we tried to play at the the victory celebration night, everybody was looking up the verses so fast, it was, you know, it wasn't like the old-fashioned sword drill where you had to hold your Bible by the binding and then look it up the old-fashioned way. Things are just, you know, we can talk to Siri or talk to whatever Alexa or whatever she is and, and get answers. That's dangerous, by the way. Uh, but but there are there's a there's a, a beauty in the age of technology, but it's also a competition for our focus and the quietness of our mind. See, the busyness of life isn't just a packed schedule. When you are busy, there's nobody that had a more full schedule than Jesus. 
Let me just say, I mean, the healing, the demonically possessed, the crowds following him. I mean, he had appointments. He had to withdraw supernaturally at times because of all that was coming at him. It's not schedule packed. You can be in a season where you're not working. You can be retired. You can be at home, young to where you don't have to work yet. And be really having pretty open schedule where you maybe only do two events that affect your body physically. We have to step here, go here, and that's it. And yet you can be so busy in your mind. You can be so distracted in a million different ways, especially if you have any kind of electronic device or a television in your home. Those are the things that begin to choke you. Look at what he says in, um, Jesus is saying in verse 14. And I'll do this one in the New Living. The thorny ground, okay, that ends up producing these thorns, it represents those who hear and they accept the message, but all too quickly, that message is crowded out by the cares, the riches, the pleasures of this life. Cares, I heard one preacher define it as a divided mind. Interesting when you look at, if your mind is divided, you know, Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. And what I really love is in Matthew 6.22, let's, let's actually go back a, a little bit and, and look at Matthew 6.22. Because this is where we see that if your eye is single, okay, I love this. Where, verse 21, verse, Matthew 6, 21, we know where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore, he says, if thine eye be single, the whole body will be full of light. It's really interesting to me that um, <coughs> Proverbs tells us, in fact, it's, um, if, you, if you'd like to write down additional references, I won't take you there. But Proverbs 4, 23 says to guard our heart with all diligence. For out of it comes the issues of life. You know somebody that's got a lot of issues? It comes from the heart. It comes from the condition of the heart. It comes from a heart that isn't fully healed and isn't fully in the spirit. And as a believer, you know, God is interested in our heart. He's interested in in the condition of our heart before the behavior. See, the legalistic world and the church sometimes gets very interested in your behavior. Do's and don'ts. Follow the list. But God, as, a, as the perfect parent, because a good parent will deal with behavioral issues in your attitude, in your heart. Okay, They can't read your heart, but they deal with attitude behaviors, or, uh, a condition, rather than the actual do's and don'ts of your, of your life. I always did that with my girls. Um, if I saw an attitude, it didn't matter if the compliance with the rule was there or not. The, because, honestly, that would only be temporary. If they have an attitude of anger, bitterness, struggle, defiance, that's going to result in bad behaviors anyways. So I might get a temporary compliance, but out of their heart it's going to flow their behavior. So if I really want to deal with the issue, I've got to deal with it at the heart issue. And that's the way God deals with us, is at the heart issue. And so he's saying here in Matthew 6, if thine eye be single, the whole body is full of light. And, of course, we know that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In him there is no darkness at all, 1 John 1. There's no darkness at all. He is light. There's no darkness. So the fullness of the light that we carry of Jesus 
is when we have a single eye. You know, I was thinking back today or uh, this week, why God made the human body the way that he did. There are things we have two of and things we have one of, okay? And if you've ever thought about it, I get how you have two arms, two hands, two feet, two legs. You know, there are things that make sense to us. But what's interesting, and, and remember, we only know what's beautiful and not beautiful based on how humans were created. But what if we had, I think there's a, it's on Monsters, Inc. What if we had just a big old single eye right in the front of our, our head? You know, wouldn't that be just weird? Like, I mean, you just think about it. What if we never knew there was such thing as, as two eyes? What if that was, a, a, a single eye was normal and two eyes would be the oddball weird thing. Something's wrong. Have you ever thought about why we have two eyes? God gave me such a picture of this this week that our two eyes represent, you know, if you in your two eyes, when you're looking at me now, I'm assuming with, with a appropriate, proper, healthy vision, you're only seeing one of me. Okay? Your eyes, while being two, are fixed on the same thing. We know we have some vision trouble. If we got this eye looking in the dining room, living room, we got this eye looking in. If I'm having a conversation with you and I'm watching TV at the same time, something's wrong. Okay? That would be a, a dysfunction of our eye. You know, that is kind of a picture of, of our, our human nature and the spirit. We're supposed to be, that's supposed to be working in surrender to where the focus is the exact same thing, which is on Jesus Christ. And if you allow one eye to wander, you know, people have a, an eye condition called a wandering eye that, that causes a blurry vision. You're going to have a lot of vision issues. You're going to have a lot of, you know, you need to go and get your eyesight fixed. And this idea of having a single eye, a single focus while having two, for now, we are stuck with that old nature. Okay? So we have our spirit man, we have our flesh man, but they're supposed to work together and be fixed on God. Because if they're not, that vision, that those steps toward God are going to be quite blurry. You're going to be all over the place. You may your wandering eye might take you this way one day, and then this way the next day. It's supposed to be single for God, and it is really the the difference in the amount of light and removal of darkness in your life as well. Guard your heart with all diligence. In James 1, um, I do want to take you there too. I'm not going to take you too many places, but man, these are just so good. James 1.21. I love the King James is, is kind of hilarious. Um, in 1.21, he says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. So isn't that just the coolest thing you've ever heard? It's basically evil works, but, uh, but this is uh, New King James, so you don't get to see those cool words in the original King James. It's superfluity of naughtiness. Get rid of your superfluity of naughtiness. Your, your, uh, the, uh, the natural evil that, that resides within your sin and carnal nature. And it says, receive with meekness the engrafted is the original King James, but this is really better. Implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Do you know that as you hear, see, part of why relationship is so amazing with God is because as you hear from him and receive it, lay aside all the junk, impurity, your, that naughtiness that, that rears its head. And receive with meekness or humility the implanted word. See, every time God speaks to you and speaks to me, he's planting a seed. 
okay? He gives us things in seed form so that he can see how we steward it. That's why the fruit of the word that he's put in us is only seen based on how it grows, based on the soil of our heart and the condition of our heart with which it can be, you know, given the nutrients. And, and really the only limiting factor of, of why that seed doesn't grow is the condition of the soil, which is why he mentioned some, some of these seeds that the sower did fell on a hard ground. That's not us. We don't have the hard heart. We're, we're absolutely receiving the Lord. We want to hear from him. But in some of us, in some cases, some believers, we don't know that what's planted with that seed is what else we've considered. And it's so sneaky. See, if the condition of your soul, or the condition of your, your soil, okay, in your heart, is not fully humble, we won't see that there's been another seed planted right along with the Word of God. We won't see it. We were talking about this at the gifts meeting yesterday. But one of the great deceptions of, of the world in their knowledge of Satan is that they see him as a big, ugly creature. And certainly he can manifest in those kinds of ugly ways. But if you know how Lucifer was created, he was an absolutely stunningly beautiful creature you know, before he fell. He had a beauty in, in how God created him before he, of course, fell. But he is, he can, that's why scripture says that he can manifest as an angel of light. But he is so full of pride that that's one of the sneakiest ways. You know, of course, Proverbs tells us pride goes before a fall. Pride, the two things that are the most sneaky and will manifest in ways we do not see coming, which is why we cannot see it coming. We have to trust God for how these things show up. And we have to have a humility that God shows us our heart. But is pride and fear. Fear and pride will be the two things that will not allow us to even see that what was dropped right beside the word of the seed that God planted is another seed that's going to produce thorns and choke us. What are those things? Shannon so beautifully taught in the ladies' class today and, and even mentioned some of this, this, this idea that, yes, Lord, I'm giving you my yes, but I mean, you know, you know that this going on and you know I got to deal with this I mean you know that I mean of course I'm fully surrendered God but you know my finances I mean you know my family I mean you know my job you know my past history you know my oh man you know my issues you know it we there's this consideration that we think we have to remind God of that are essentially the cares of this life they're the cares. We're divided in our mind. We're not single for him. We're divided because we're considering these other factors that, that weigh us down, that burden us. And as we consider them, we don't know that what's being planted, and Satan is so sneaky. He's like, sure, I don't mind that you receive that word. I'm just going to plant a little, bit of, a little bit of mine right in there too. That you're not going to notice because... You don't realize the condition of your, the soil of your heart has got a little bit in there that hasn't been purged out. It hasn't been allowed to be cultivated. You know that cultivator tool, if you garden? I'm so, it's so hilarious for me to use metaphors of gardening. My mother did give me some gardening um, uh, experiences growing up. She had a strawberry garden and she planted a few vegetables. And I remember strawberries and it was my job to, 
to, you know, I did some of the planting. I did mostly weed, weed pulling. So that part I could really relate to. But I'm glad for those experiences now, even though I'm completely an indoor girl all the way. Um, but, I, but that cultivator tool that breaks up the soil and rips it, I love what that represents. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Just let him get in there and just rip that soil and just rip it up. And as, he, as that is cultivated and ripped up, it really loosens. It loosens the soil of our heart. So that it's ready. You know, we gotta come in. We gotta let the cultivator do the job. That's what worship is. You know, if you come in like a zombie and you just sing through, you can go through the entire worship segment of the service in song. Worship never stops, but in song. And never fix on, just like Brooke was saying when we sang that a cappella, I love you, Lord. She said, focus on God. Focus just on Him. That is allowing the cultivator of the Trinity to come and rip your soil up. Because if you don't do that, then the seed that he's wanting to drop in you, which is his word right now, it's going to drop in, but, oh, it's going to drop in with, yeah, my lunch plans. How long can I stay today? I'm kind of busy. I got this. Well, you know, yeah, I'm just waiting for a word from you guys. Just give me a word. Man, I need a fresh word. I just need, I need a word, man. I need a, and it's interesting that um, we're looking for something new from God when he's saying, all the time. I'm constantly communicating with you. But you don't see some of those other things because you want what you want that have to do with the cares of this life. You're not seeking first the kingdom and then letting me add. You're considering that this is a great need and it is. But I want to deal with these other things because these other things being dealt with will bring you the answer to the need that you're crying out to me for. A great passage that is also um, very profound in how Jesus answered somebody is actually it, from, from where we were in John 8. Don't lose your place in James 2. We'll, we're going to come back to that. But John chapter 8, um, we see that a guy, excuse me, no, that's not where it is. Um, it's actually Luke 10. Sorry, we were originally in Luke. Let's go to Luke 10. This is really uh, amazing. This guy comes up to Jesus. He's an expert in religious law, okay? And I, I always get a kick out of how Jesus responds to these the Pharisees and the people that were the leaders of the law because they were really testing him, having a hard time believing who he was. But this expert in religious law, in verse 25, he says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? It's like, okay, you're Jesus, and, and yes, and I, give me a fresh word. Give me a fresh word. I've been a Christian my whole life, so I mean, you know, I know these things. But, you know, if you want to give me a word, I'm here. I'm going to do the Christian thing. Lord, give me a word. And Jesus says something very interesting here, which is great. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, right do this and you will be saved now he goes into the man wanted to justify his actions so the man began to ask him well who is my neighbor and then of course we see the parable of the good samaritan following in that scripture but some people might look at the scripture and say well man jesus had an opportunity to really give him something like super profound 
Okay, like, how come he didn't just, like, unleash some amazing word that would just, like, blow him away? Like, seriously? I mean, he, he was an expert in religious law. Why did he just expand on the law? But what was interesting is Jesus knew that while the man knew the law and knew the word, he wasn't living it. He wasn't obeying it. He wasn't practicing any of it. So what he was pointing out is, how do you read that? Tell me what you know. Okay, you know that? Then go and do it. Because I got nothing to say to you in what you think you want until what I've already told you you're willing to step in. We're looking for a new word, and God doesn't stop talking to us. But he continues to take us around the wilderness to get us to just take the steps that he's already revealed to us so that we can then get the revelation of what's next. When Jesus left his disciples, he said, I have so much to tell you, but you can't bear it. You can't bear it now. And I love hearing that because when he released the Holy Spirit, he was basically saying, look, that's only a percentage that I've been able to share with you. But when the Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth and you're going to receive so much more. But many of us right now, if you get hungry for a new word or if you ever get frustrated when you're in the secret place and you're like, Lord, talk to me, speak to me already. I'm feeling so dry. What has he already spoken to you about that you've kind of been like, like, you know, there are times when he wants to just speak his love over you. Thank you, Lord. I, I like that. That's good. I mean, I, that's good. But yeah, you got anything else? Because I mean, I love that. I love that you love me. And I'm going to need your love. And oh, that's so great. That's so great. But you know, I'm wrestling with this and I'm dealing with this and I need this answer. And what are you going to do in this nation? What are you going to do in the church? And what are you doing? You know, like, thank you. I, I praise you. I praise you. I love you. Thank you. I, you know, you love me. But I, you know, do you got something else? I, I just, I want something. It's, and God is, if, I'll tell you what, if he's repeating himself, it is not because he stutters. It is not without purpose. It is because we need to get it in order to get the new. It reminds me so much. I've been, of course, in fitness training for many years. And through the years, people have always, I've always had to kind of chuckle at how many people. The, the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's just incredible. Everybody that has some success story comes up with a new book, and this is their new diet. It's their new thing. And it, it just goes in circles. It's like saying the same thing in a whole new way with a new picture and a new testimony and a new image. But it's essentially the same thing. You know, it's essentially a, you know, move more, eat less kind of concept. Um, but it's always said in a really cool way with a new gadget. I mean, I got one of those twister things. You know, you get on and you just, you just twist. You stand on it. It's like standing on a, on a platter that you would serve for Thanksgiving. Stand on each end and you just twist. And it's just like, okay, I don't know why. This is $40, but, you know, I got it. You know, it's, I, I could have chosen any piece of plastic and just twisted on a plate from my, from my cupboard and just twisted back and forth. But it's, it's all the rage, and it comes in cute colors. So, of course, it's new. So, you know, we think we need this new thing. But what's hilarious is everybody that buys that new diet and that new gadget they're looking for something that's really similar to what they've always known, but they're really not really willing to do that. So it's like, yeah, I know, I know. I got, I, I tried that last year, but this one looks good. Let me get this. And it's a new, they're looking for the new word and the new idea, and they're just going to constantly be looking. 
Because what they're really not willing to do is do what all of them say. You could save yourself a boatload of money by just going ahead and sticking to the one that you got 50 years ago. You know, I mean, it's amazing how it's maybe said differently, but it's essentially the same concept. In fact, you don't even really need to read a book. You can, a lot of times, just figure out what happens. We, we've seen that even through, through spiritual experiences of fasting sometimes. Oh, wow, I ate less, and I, who knew I'd have this result? I'd have, I just spent $100 on a plan that was trying to tell me that. But God is, is he, he's so patient with us, but that's what we do with him, don't we? We sometimes are like, yeah, Lord, I don't want to do that, but let's go back to James. He says it so well. James 1. It's just right there. It's just right there. So you're, you're laying apart all that filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, which I just love that. I'm sorry. And receive with the humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay, but then look it. He says, be doers of the word. Okay? Not hearers only. Because... If you just hear it and hear it and hear it, you're actually deceiving yourself. You're actually thinking that you've received a transformational word, but you've never one time acted on it. So how's that working for you? How's that transforming you? You know, I've been telling you that I love you, but you're not acting like you know that I love you. How's that working for you? And yet you want this big answer. You want this problem solved. You want this conflict resolved. That conflict will never be resolved because you're not walking in the fact that I love you. You're not walking in that reality by faith. And so we, we look, and, and, and James says it. For he, for if anyone is just a hearer of the word, okay, uh, in, in the New Living, it says, if you just listen and don't obey, it's like looking at your face in a mirror, but doing nothing to improve your, improve your appearance. You just walk away and forget what you look like. What is the point of seeking the mirror for the reality of what needs to be changed if you're going to look and go, okay, and forget two seconds later. See, the word of God becomes that mirror image for us. And by the way, it's not just, it's yes, it's the written word, but it's the breath, it's the, it's the breathed word of God. God's spoken word into your spirit and his written word are all combined. They will always be in alignment with one another. So when we're looking for a new fresh word, it's you, it's a new revelation, uh, especially for those online that may not know fully ignition, but we, we're never e eager to have a new word outside of scripture. Scripture is the word of God. This is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in print. And I will challenge you to say what I heard Bill Johnson say one time, which is so true. Don't tell me you love Jesus here or here if you don't love him here. You've got to love God and his word, okay? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, okay? He is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So it's all, it's all together. But we have to be careful that when God shows us something in ourselves, we're willing to step away and not just pick and choose like a buffet what we, what we want based on where we're willing to step in our faith. And that's really what Shannon even addressed in, in the ladies' class this morning. You know, there, is, there are things that we feel that we should get credit for a partial obedience when God is saying, you are limiting me in your life because your partial obedience is saying you only partially believe me. And so with your lack of belief, I then don't have full permission by you to do what you really want me to do. 
So it's, it becomes um, just prohibitive, prohibitive in our own, our own soil. Our, our soil is not ready. And a lot of that is in that sneaky, snaky other seed, fear and pride. Either the self-sufficiency or the, the fear that, yes, but the cares of life. But God, you know, you know I have to consider this. Like the man that came to Jesus and he said, Father, or Jesus, yes, I'm going to follow you, but, but let me go and, and let me go and, and help my father. Let me go and deal with my family. And Jesus said, anyone that is not, that looks back, that is not willing to take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of following me. And what Jesus was basically saying is, look, you can't serve God and money or mammon, the cares and the things of this life, and serve me. You, if your eye is not single, you'll never have proper vision. You'll be all over the place. You will be like that way, that ship that's tossed, uh, like the waves of the sea, back and forth, never ever able to be solid in your foundation. That's not what God wants. In his relationship with us, he wants us to be fully, fully engaged. He has so much... It, it, boy... The beauty of a conversation with God is so extraordinary. Who wouldn't want that? To have the, an audience with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He, he not only loves us, but he loves to communicate to us. He wants to reveal. You know, we often think that we've got to pry things out of him. It is literally the opposite. He wants to pour so much out. But when Jesus said to the disciples... I have so much to tell you, but you can't bear it now. That wasn't a punishment. That was for their protection. See, what happens sometimes, um, and I actually learned this recently, kind of looking into uh, this whole issue of osteoporosis and things that happen, and my sisters and I were talking, and um, finding out uh, bone health, okay? What I did not know in little side research that I did about your health of your bones is that high stress, uh, the cortisol that's released in your body can uh, uh, make it, when your body is highly acidic, can actually deteriorate the density of your bones because of that hormone and, and a highly acidic uh, body, which you know you want to be alkaline if you don't know about acidic and alkaline, look it up because it's really amazing. It comes from you know poor diet or drinking a lot of acidic foods, things like that, you want to be alkaline. Well, what's what's amazing about that that idea is that when you begin to lose bone density, you can easily have a fracture because of the weakness. So in poor choices, most people become highly acidic at some point. Unless you're intentional with taking care of yourself, a highly acidic diet comes very easily just because of what's around us. We just absorb things and our body becomes acidic. And that's why there's stress is killing people. Stress is, is like the underlying cause of most diseases. And again, it's all because of this striving, essentially. It's a picture, really, of a lack of trust in God. It's amazing how connected it is to health. But once you have a weak skeletal system, you can't just jump into certain activities or there, you're, you run the risk of a fracture. You have to be very, very careful the weight-bearing activities you take on because of that fracture in the weakness. That is kind of a picture of our Christian lives. If we are kind of considering all these additional cares of the world, and then we don't realize that we're fractured, then all of a sudden we're wanting to walk in the miraculous and in the supernatural. 
God's saying, look, I want to pour all that out on you too. But I need you to fine-tune your life, to strengthen you. I need to do what it takes to strengthen your foundation, your skeletal system, so that then the weight-bearing uh, glory that I want to pour out, that your capacity to receive this, this weight-bearing of my presence, it won't break you. You know, it, it will establish you if you're strong, but it will crush you if you're weak. And that's why purity and sanctification is so important in growing in relationship with Jesus. You know, he, he wants to speak so freely back and forth, but he can't when there's thorns and things that are choking us. So let's look at this, this idea of choking. If you could imagine, if I were to have a, a, an object lesson right now, which I won't pick on anybody, but let's just say somebody stood up here and I put somebody beside them. And, okay, put your arms around their neck and start to choke them. The answer to the person being choked wouldn't be, or would it? See, what, was, what would your common sense do? If you're, if you're seeing somebody choking another person, and this, you're seeing the person choke, you're, to go and rescue them, would you A, go and remove their hands from them to stop the choking from happening so that they could breathe? Or would you run around the room and go, they can't breathe, they can't breathe. We need to increase the air in this room. They need more air. We need more air to come in this room. We just, we gotta have more air because I mean, they can't breathe. I mean, they are choking. Can you, somebody do something about oxygen in this room? Wouldn't that be absurd? You just go, okay, somebody needs help. How about we just, let's, let's remove the hands that are choking. How about let's start there? Because as soon as what's not, what's trying to choke them is removed, I can breathe. Okay? When you're wanting more of God, more of God, more of God, and you're not willing to remove the thorns and what's choking you, you're not going to really get anywhere. We can turn up the intensity of oxygen in this room, but if something's choking you and you're not getting the air, you're just not getting it. And God needs purity in our lives. So he needs us to be willing to rip the thorns out because guess what? We'll produce fruit, but like... Like it says there in the original scripture that we went to in Luke 8, you're not going to have it to perfection. So this is where the line is drawn in the sand. Does this mean that people that are not on the right side of the line in terms of their absolute sold out yes aren't going to be used of God? Yes, they will. But they run a great risk of the minimization of their fruit because of what will choke it out, the cares of this life, the pleasures. You know, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, he had been fasting a long time. He was physically very weak. First thing that Satan said to him was, you know, turn these, turn these rocks into bread and eat. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus was being tempted in that moment to not stay the course in what God had called him to do and to instead consider the needs of his body. Did that mean that he didn't have a need? He had been fasting. Hello, he's hungry. Okay, he was hungry. It wasn't that he didn't have the need. Sometimes we think it's based on the fact that, well, yeah, I mean, if I don't have that need, but God knows I have that need. Okay, he knows that I have that need. And Jesus said, no, I know humanly I am starving right now, but my job is to do the will of the Father. My very life, depends on following his word because 
I can't live by bread alone. I can't live by the bread of this human world. I got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know that following the voice of God, your very life depends on it? What you think you need is not what you need. What I think I need is not what I need if God has not told me I need it. That is what will save my life. And every time I consider what I need, oh, this, the waves, the waves, the waves, I need something here. Jesus is like, what you need is right in front of you, and it's me. Stay the course. Stay the course, and you will not sink. Because you were called, based on the supernatural DNA that I placed in you, you were called to walk not in the flesh, Romans 8 tells us we have no obligation whatsoever to live according to the flesh. But you are called to walk in newness of life with the Spirit of God fully taking over you. How extraordinary. How amazing. Jesus followed that. And so Satan's temptation, I'd encourage you to go and study that. He was tempting him with power and with the pleasures and with the base necessities that he needed at the moment. He was tempting him. Basically, he was tempting him to walk out of the supernatural into the natural using his supernatural, which is the ultimate twisted thing to do. And Jesus responded every time with scripture. I love it. But boy, he is our bread. He is our bread. He is our water. And when we eat of him and drink of him, we will never hunger and never thirst. What a great, great, great picture. So in order to move on, we really just need to do what he says. Now, I will tell you this, though. The sower, every seed that he plants, that he planted, in a seed is the full capacity. It's the full measure of, in that seed, to bring forth what it was planted to bring forth. Okay? If it was the seed of corn, then within that seed has all the potential of an amazing stock of corn, right? An acorn, what do you get with an acorn? You get a oak tree. Plant an acorn, you get an entire oak tree that produces the fruit, that produces more acorns that can be planted. And just, it just is a beautiful, beautiful cycle of life. Everything in the, in the human realm is, is, a, is a beautiful picture of what God's trying to teach us in the spirit realm. But he has given you, if he has spoken into your life, and he has spoken into every one of us, he will never speak something directly to you without the supernatural capacity for you to walk in that and fulfill it. God's not going to speak a word to you and then say, okay, go do it. I'll just stand over here and see how you do. No. Do you know that the reason... See, that's why all it is to, to walk in what he's told us is our yes. He's not going to tell you to do something and then not equip you and be with you. And be the source of your strength and power to do that, to fulfill it. So really, it's not that, I can't, Lord, I can't. It's actually not true. Because I can do all things through Christ. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Because if I live away from the vine, then I have no life-giving source. I have to stay connected to the vine, right? Because that's, that's my source of, of, of strength. So I want to encourage you that... That yes is, is, it's easier, not so much easier, but it's simpler than we think. God really is just like, just place your life in my hand. You know, in Matthew 6, our theme of ignition is, of course, 633. But if you look at the verses before that, 
in the lower the, the lower verses, it talks about the fact that he knows what we have need of. He understands what we have need of. He understands that we need food and food and clothing. He's like, I clothe the birds. Don't you think I care about them even more? You even more than them? I mean, it's like he's trying to say, I, I care about everything. Walk in what I've told you because I have more revelation for you. God is just waiting. He's waiting for our purity. He's waiting for our obedience. He's waiting for the communion between us so that he can reveal more. And that's been a real struggle for me. I, I, I got to tell you, my, my unwillingness to step in some of the things that he has said. See, Satan's right there to twist it all. I didn't step in it. So therefore, I got stuck because it took my stepping in that for me to get the next revelation. But not, not being willing to do that, I just went to the next revelation. And so now I'm saying, Lord, you're not speaking to me now because you're not giving me X, Y, Z that I'm, I'm going to you for. I'm not getting this answer. I'm not, I'm not understanding this. And so now Satan's there tripping me up on that, thinking that, that God is being silent. When God is, you know, he's like, no, I, I need you to step. And it isn't just based on that. He also wants to reveal things to us that we don't know that we need to know. You know, we think that, well, God, I just, I just want the answer that I want. And that's why James says that, you know, you don't understand that you, you, the reason you don't get what you ask for is you ask amiss. You're asking to heap it upon your lust. You're coming to me in prayer, and I want you to come to me in prayer. But you're asking for the things that you think you need, which you may need. But you want it so badly just to heap it upon, just to feel good, to get the answers. Because don't we feel better when we get an immediate answer? But God is saying, you know, worship me and come to me in spirit. Come to me, connect your spirit with my spirit. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not only going to give you the desires of your heart, but I'm going to give you what to desire what to pray for. It's, it's, so, it's so amazing. And that's where you get it in sync. And I've seen God, as I have listened to his voice, it's like, pray about this, Alexis. Pray about this. Come before my throne. Pray about this. Because the answer is already waiting for your declaration. I'm, I'm working through you. So I'm going to help you so much as your advocate. I'm going to come right beside you, tell you what to declare. Great, now I can dispatch my, my hosts to begin to answer that. But sometimes I step away from that voice and I just go before the Lord as I'm looking around going, but God, take care of these waves. I mean, come on, there's a storm. That wasn't what Jesus wanted to answer. He just wanted Peter to walk. He could take care of the storm. He calms the storm. But if Peter had gotten distracted with all these other things that God should fix, when Jesus is saying, I just want you to step, you're going to be amazed at how insignificant that storm is when you just step and you just walk. And so be careful the seed that is planted beside the word of God, even right now as you're listening to me. What's, what's falling into the soil of your heart, even with this word? It might seem like in 90, Psalm 91 when it says, um, that, that you shall tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. You know, Psalm 91 is all about protection. And yes, he's given us authority to tread on the snakes and scorpions, but he's talking about that young lion and the adder. That young lion is that baby cub that seems so insignificant. That's just a little, that's just not, that's not threatening. It's, it's fine, Lord. I'm hearing your voice. I'm listening to these other ones too, but I'm hearing your voice. And you don't think it's a big deal. Guess what? When it becomes full grown, full measure, 
that little sweet little cub that you've been cuddling and thinking wasn't a big deal in your life, all of a sudden now it's a roaring lion seeking whom it may devour, which will be you. That seed will grow up and it will choke. So right now we've got to say, Lord, what am I allowing to fall? What other seeds am I allowing to fall? As I am trying to get discernment and clarity, Shannon mentioned something so incredible. She said the discernment and the clarity that she has received since she stepped in obedience in a particular area in her life, since she stepped in something that was not natural, quite frankly, didn't even make sense. <laughs> but she stepped in it. And she said, oh, it unlocked. It unlocked a new revelation that God was just waiting and waiting to reveal. Didn't mean that all the while he wasn't revealing himself to her. He was speaking in many ways. God speaks through so many ways. Dreams, visions, creation, other people's. I mean, a, a simple smile from, a, from a, a loving person. God can just speak his love over. He's constantly speaking. But she wasn't getting some of the, the revelations she was seeking for because the weight-bearing capacity of what he wanted to reveal could have caused a fracture because she was too acidic. Skipping back to that metaphor. Okay, she needed to become more alkaline. She's a nurse, so she understands what I'm saying. <laughs> and she needed to be stronger in her skeletal system so that now he pours out the weight of his glory, the weight of his spirit, and she can receive it. So I'm telling you, this thing of purity and this thing of obedience is no joke. It is just, you know, you can't just come and, okay, bring it, Lord, I'm here for my word. I want my word, you know. I want your presence, and that's great, too. We want his presence, and he gifts us with his presence, doesn't he? he? He does. He does that to encourage us along the way. But don't look for something new when you already behold your face in the mirror and you look and you forget what manner that you saw yourself. Go back to the foundational verses of, yes, seeking the kingdom, but the ones that I always say, search me, oh God, search me. Go through, search my soil. See if there's any other wicked way in me. Any superfluity of naughtiness that you need to pluck out. Because when I begin to bear fruit, I don't want them choked. I don't want them fighting with the thorns that I didn't deal with when they were just a little seed. I want to hear you. I want this free flowing. I want to, I want to walk with God like Enoch. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking and having that kind of conversation with God? It's just, even like Adam before before the fall. Now, God still spoke to him. But can you imagine that that kind of communication with God that's just so beautiful? And, and it's available to us because his very spirit of God, the capacity and the full measure of all the faith we need, all the belief we need, all the power we need, everything is already within us. That is seriously important to understand that the DNA of God Almighty is within us. It's there. We just don't. It's just being choked with the unbelief, the fear, the pride, the things we don't want there. But we got to just step. We got to step out of the boat. Because guess what? If we sink, and I do not like water, okay? I don't want to declare I have a fear of water, but it is not my friend, unless it's the shower. <laughs> if we sink, won't Jesus pick us up? Even if we were under for a while and not breathing, is he not the breath of life? Can he not revive us again? I mean, you know, it's like he's everything. He's everything and he's in everything. And it's just, 
He's he's constantly trying to reveal his character, his nature, his love, his purpose for why he created us, why he limited himself to have this relationship with us. It's just so, it's so much bigger. And, And we don't know what we don't know. So don't get fixed on what you think you need to know, Alexis. (laughs) I have the same issues. I go to God and I'm like, Lord. And he's just like, I'm I'm answering that. I'm about to tell you that. But I got to show you this. And over here, this. And a little bit over here. Because when I reveal to you what I'm about to reveal to you, those things have to be in place so that you are not crushed by the weight of my glory when I let you know what that is. Oh, you know, I sing that, that Kim Walker song, show me your glory. I think it's Jesus culture. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory. We don't even know what we ask for. We talked in the gifts meeting about the weightiness of God's presence and everybody's experiences of how that has felt. Many are awakening to that actual visceral experience of the tinglys of the body. It's amazing. And by the way, he can, don't limit yourself in that. Some of you may not be there yet. But boy, it's almost frightening when he ramps that up. I mean, his glory is amazing. And I would not have had some of those experiences if I hadn't been ready for that. Because as Shannon, again, for those ladies that were there, you missed it if you weren't, but he, I lost my point completely. But anyway, I was just going to say something. He wants to reveal something that when we're not ready is, is, it's just, it's hindered, and it's, it's, uh, it's squelched a bit, and God, oh boy, that's all I'm going to say about that one. I want to close with this. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 4, you got to go there. It's just so, so amazing. Now, Greg mentioned something that was heavy on my heart in 1 Corinthians 2. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I love that verse. Um, and, and he talked about that last week. But I want to go to 2 Corinthians 4. And God clearly gave that to him because he wasn't going to have me do that. But this one, I want you to see. This is where God wants us abiding. Okay? And let's start... Oh man, it's just, this whole chapter is powerful. 2 Corinthians 4, let's start at verse 14. And I'm going to just, again, read, you can read in your translation or the, the thing, and I'll be in the original King James. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you, Paul is saying, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Oh, and these verses, got to tell you, hear this, hear this, okay? Take heed how ye hear. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Some translations say transient. God wants us to abide with him in the supernatural realm accessing the supernatural part of our new nature that he gave us as believers 
to walk in the things which are not seen. Peter walking on that water. Jesus was saying, fix your eyes on me. The things that you don't see are that I can carry you. The waves, the water, the storm, your human reality is irrelevant because it's, it's temporary. It's, it's only temporary. You're here for a while so that I can give you rewards for, for, for your faith. You know, so I can give you that, that reward for the currency of your faith that you want to keep spending. But where I need you to be is seeing the things that are not seen. Because that is what lasts forever. Our light affliction, which is but, but for a moment. See, when you're in, when you're in the human realm, you're, you're looking at a scripture going, are you serious right now? My light affliction? Lord, do you know my life? This is not light affliction, and it ain't for a moment. <laughs> I've been dealing with this a lot of years. I know. that That's where our humanity responds. But in Jesus' kingdom, he's like, for which cause we faint not? Because though our outward man perishes every day, we die. Science proves that. From the day you're born, you begin to die. But our inward man is renewed every single day. And that is why sometimes God does an inner work before the manifestation of our human healing. Because he needs, he's, he's such a thorough healer. The Jehovah Rapha is a full healer. He's not a band-aid. He doesn't just stamp our, our leprous hand pure, leaving the rest of us all dysfunctional. He wants us healed, fully healed. And right now, he's doing some surgery on the inside, on these internal organs. He's restoring the fractures in our bones that some of us have already experienced the fractures from. But boy, it's going to work in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory when we walk in him. So as we go out today, say, God, okay, if I'm going to walk in your spirit, then whatever he's told you, okay, which is, you know, the word of God is to just seek him, his kingdom, trust the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You're going to be back in that flesh. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. With your five loaves and your two fishes. Watch what he'll do with your money. Watch what he'll do with your impossible situation. Okay? Because that's where he lives. He lives in the kingdom realm. And when he speaks to us, he deposits from his kingdom realm into this human realm. Okay? So that the natural eye and the supernatural eye can come together as a single focus. He wants them to work together by faith during this short time we're here on earth. He wants us to move with a single eye so that our whole body is full of light, so that we're not full of darkness at all. And that's where purity brings us, gets rid of the darkness, gets rid of all that naughtiness of the enemy. And I, I, don't, I only don't like that word because it can seem insignificant. Uh, our sin is a heavy, heavy thing. It's a heavy thing because Satan uses it against us. And when he gets a lawful uh, ability to use it against us in court, it comes against us as hell. Okay, there's some hell that gets unleashed with no, no choice of that God wants. God doesn't want that, but, but again, his hands are held when there are authorities given or when his purposes have to be um, you know, brought forth according to his will. And so we trust him for that too because our light affliction is but for a moment. 
So look at the things. And then if you can just tie that back into Greg's verse from, from 1 Corinthians 4, which is, man, you can't even imagine. It hasn't even entered into your heart, the realm of your understanding. You can't even imagine what your actual relationship can be, what God actually has planned for your relationship to be. And some of us just, we, we, we so can't understand it. We're just kind of like, okay, when's she going to be done? Because like, I just don't get it. I understand that. I really do. Sometimes our capacity to even hear has to be in the spirit. But in light of God's kingdom, where else you got to go? Seriously, where else you got to go? You got to go to work? You got to fill your stomach? It's interesting how much the, the idea of, of food, like, you know, some of us have glorious plans for lunch. I love, I love Sunday glorious plans for lunch, wherever you're going to go, whatever you're going to do. It's just like after a service, because, you know, just you're hungry after, after church and you eat. But isn't it interesting how much that is a picture of the brevity of, of the cares of this life not lasting? You get this great meal, satisfies you, maybe too much. It doesn't last that long, does it? It's like tomorrow I'm hungry again. What just happened? I just had a great meal. I got to start all over again. Now, most of us like to start all over again. In fact, we start all over again a little too soon. But, but isn't that a picture of the fact that we are never actually satisfied? Because it goes in and it goes out. <laughs> I could be so whatever. But you know, it's like it goes in and it goes out. Okay? And we got to start again. Because it can't satisfy. The only thing that satisfies for eternity are the things we cannot see. The the, the Eternal things are the unseen, but God can open your spirit man to see the reality of your real reality. So ask him to do that today. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you are planting in our hearts, God. Oh God, this word, this supernatural seed of your word that is you, you are planting it in the soil of our hearts, God. And that as we receive it with meekness, with humility, we can actually begin to see fruit. Wow. Fruit that's supernatural. Oh God, we don't want anything choking that. We don't want any thorns. God, pull them out. Pull them out, God. Even in the unseen ways that are are beneath the soil of the new seeds that you're planting right now. Whatever is entering into our minds as a, as a seed that, that is a distraction, a seed of, of the prince of the power of this air, a seed that's being dropped in right now with the cares of this life, dividing our minds away from you, God. Rip it out, God. Rip it out. Purify our soil, God. Purify our soil. We need, we need the full fruit, God. By faith, God, help us to just continue to give you that currency of faith to believe that what you planted, that he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Because it's your planted seed. It's not ours. God, we love you. We love you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for always communicating with us. Thank you, God, for holding certain things from us that you know would literally break us if we got it too soon. But walk with us, God. Take us each step of the way. God, I just... I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just open the eyes 
of your unseen realm. Whether it be through a seer gift or just in the faith of that knowing that is unshakable, that when we leave here, God, that nothing of our life is considered disappointments, unmet expectations, pain of our past, pain of our present, unresolved conflict, mean people, not enough money, uh, uh, disappointing holidays. Let none of that, let none of that be considered as it pertains to your life-giving word before us. Because God, you are the absolute abundance of what we need. Nothing can satisfy. We might get a great meal here or there, but it will just fleeting leave us. Help us to be eating the bread of life, which is you, Jesus. We need that so desperately, God. And I know this church, those listening online, want it. Even if they don't know how to want it, God, open the eyes of their understanding to just start with your love, just to start there and receive your love. Even It takes even humility to receive that you love us. I know for me, God, you know my heart. When I've rejected your love, it's been my pride and it's been my fear. It's rejected your love. So God, I pray that you'd help us to start there. And we thank you and praise you, God, for all that you're doing and all that you will do, God. You are about to release your spirit in a way that is going to rock us. God, I pray that it will establish Ignition Church because we are grounded and rooted in your love, as you say in Ephesians 3, in all the fullness of God. Thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.